0: You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan.
1: Welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show here. Mike Callahan with special guest, Sean Adams. We're going to be talking accountability and mentorship. Um, Sean's background is originally in the green industry. Ten years ago, he was the owner of a lawn and landscape company based out of southern New Jersey, uh, specifically the Philadelphia area. Um, started and operated a second company specializing in general contracting, construction management, and real estate development. Uh, throughout that process, he streamlined his operations, designed replicatable systems, worked for himself out of the day-to-day operations. So he was working on the business, not in the business, as our friend Michael Gerber would say. And, and through that process, he began helping other peers and friends network to implement software um, and some of the same systems that he was using in his entrepreneurial um, journey to freedom. Uh, later on, he sold his service company at the end of 2016 to focus on a full-time uh, coaching and consulting. So, uh, if you haven't met Sean before, uh, I'm going to give a brief introduction here. But if you have any comments or questions as you're watching live, drop them below. Sean and I are going to be watching this feed over the next few days um, and answering them. But if you have any questions, for sure, drop them uh, live, and we're here to wrap and talk about um, the ins and outs of accountability and mentorship. So, Sean, if people haven't seen you. Uh, you are one of the SA certified advisors um, we found on the help tab or if you're looking at service autopilot and maybe that's a product or CRM that you're interested in Uh, we do have these certified advisors Uh, there's about six or seven of us now Um, and Sean is one of the I don't want to say the newest members he's probably about the middle Um, was at SA4 last year uh, helping other people and answering some questions and um, just thought it was really important to bring him on and uh, get some knowledge out of his head and help the uh, community so Sean uh, you might give us a little background about yourself? Hopefully I did it some justice there um, from the vial.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I think a pretty conventional uh, background in the um, home service and green industry. Uh, kid with the push mower pushing around the neighborhood making a couple extra bucks. Um, that got me through high school. Um, as I got into uh, college age, started taking a couple business courses, kind of figuring out what, what direction I wanted to take. Um, learned about uh, kind of entrepreneurism and and, um, realized that was something that fit my skill set well and something I really enjoyed and wanted to uh, push forward on. So um, over the next about six years, uh, that was my focus. I took the lawn and landscaping company. Uh, We did some home service and some contracting and uh, construction work as well. Um, But uh, during that period, I'd like to say I got my uh, real world MBA by uh, making every mistake in the book, Um, bad hires, being involved in projects I never should have been. Underbidding work, just not knowing my numbers, uh, not having a team, you know, you name it, uh, two or three years, I just I ran in circles, trying to, trying to keep up and, and, and do that without actually seeing the writing on the walls that wasn't making any money and uh, wasn't really building anything sustainable. Um, I was young and, and naive and really thought that um, I could will my way into success, right I just work harder, put more activity at it, and I was going to get there. And sure enough, I learned pretty quickly that that was a, uh, not a sustainable model. And um, happened to stumble upon a, a mentor, business coach, consultant. Um, really helped me distill down a lot of the issues I was having, and uh, the major one being um, that three-letter word. My ego was kind of at the center there, and um, you know, just thinking that I, I could just do it myself, and I didn't need to learn from other people, and didn't want to waste my time, you know, evolving content and those sort of things. So as soon as I realized that, started building in systems, doing my reading and podcasts, and referring to thought leaders and people like what Mike does with that content, Um, you know, just learn if I can take those simple tasks and put them in my business. I was seeing rapid results and didn't need to go through the next 20 or 25 years of making those mistakes. So um, ultimately I I started uh, learning about software and technology, putting that in my business, worked really well, um, started to work myself out of the the day-to-day, had some peers and some subcontractors in my network sort of asking me the same thing. Hey, Sean, how are you working yourself? You're wearing a dress shirt every day you, you look good what you know you're not getting dirty how do i get to do that so sort of helping them do the same and uh really liked solving problems um and and helping people sort of have those light bulb moments on their own and you know avoid some of those failure points so fast forward a, a couple more years ended up selling the um the home service companies and, and focusing full-time on uh, on coaching and consulting awesome and uh
1: As we're kind of diving into this, I I was kind of curious, and I I know everybody's entrepreneurial journey is a little bit different. Uh, A lot of commonalities there that, with my own journey, pushing that lawnmower around the neighborhood, trying to get some extra money and press the ladies uh, to upgrade the 10 speed bike to uh, hopefully a four wheel drive vehicle. But um, as you drove in and and you were working in the business and you realized it was probably more to that business than um, you originally anticipated, and it wasn't really giving you what you wanted. what was that turning point that where you decided, okay, I need to go out and either get an education or find somebody that's already done it before me. Uh, what did that look like? Kind of, what was that breaking point? It was, it just, you woke up one morning and said, I got to do something different. Um, what did that look like on your entrepreneur journey?
0: Um, just for like a stupid example of something, there was a series of these that happened over the years, but I can remember one time, this was a long time ago, but, um, you know, I'm doing Mrs. Smith or whatever her name was at the time. Um, you know, doing her, her corner property that i had been doing since I was 12 years old. And it was the, the simple lawn. I'd always done a great job. She paid on time it, she was a great client. Uh, she had three little dogs that she totally adored. And I always made, you know, caution to to make sure they were put inside and, and the whole deal when we were servicing. And um, once I started to bring on crews and I, I brought them in, um, she had a specific lock on her property on a gate that just, it had to be shut a certain way. There was an order you had to do it. And um, basically I never conveyed that to the crews. The, that was a big pain point for her, it had to be done. That was why she liked using me. The crews go through, they do not do that. The gate opens up, the dogs get out. It's like this, it turns into the cops getting called, this big giant disaster and took days of time and it just was, it was a mess. And I remember thinking back, you know, initially uh, trying to figure out what the root cause was and realizing that it probably cost me $1,200 by the time I was done for that tiny little mistake. It was a stupid thing. Realize if I spent 10 seconds writing that down on some sort of piece of paper, a log, an app, something, the crew could have seen that one time, that problem never would have happened. So once I started realizing that there were better ways to do it, like with technology, and started looking into that, that led me into a quest of starting to reach out and find accountability through some of those software programs and finding, like I said before, a mentor to hold me accountable and say, okay, I'm gonna give you those tools, here's what you're gonna do, and I'm gonna check in on you you know, once or twice a month or once a week. And make sure you're holding up on that, so it was re- more of taking that responsibility out of my hands because if I left it up to me, I would just keep running and running the same way. So that was a good, um, a good way to sort of leverage that,
1: okay. And I, I can relate to that, and a very similar story. And I, I don't know if you heard it, but um, it, you know, basically in my past life, I went through a uh, a divorce and I was working well over 100 hours a week, and I had just basically hit rock bottom, and uh, that was that was a tough point where you got to hit these pain points. Um, and, and where I'm going with that is we went and found an automation, uh, platform to build a solution to automate myself. Um, but then I ended up reaching out to others in that ecosystem that had done it themselves. Um, so kind of where I'm going with this is, um, learning from other people's mistakes. So I was wondering if you could kind of brief, briefly touch on how, um, if you had any experience of, was it worth paying the top dollar for somebody who's been there or trying low level, um, Consulting, what what would be your approaches? The things you've learned while doing this, going out to find somebody that's actually been there and done that. One of the things I found really successful in my development, um, and I got to give you know, credit where credit is due, is Jonathan Potoshnek had a, uh, a roundtable probably five six years ago. I, I met two gentlemen that have been really instrumental in my life is uh, Garrett Matthews and Chad Cranston, um, different parts of the country, but we we talk almost on a daily basis and we share those pains and in. And, and, and I think each one of us at different points have found um, going out and learning from others' mistakes has been instrumental in our growth. Um, but I guess maybe from a peer group or even from a professional uh, standpoint, what would be your approach to go out to find somebody who's already been there and done that? Um, and how, do you, how did you structure that in your, your
0: entrepreneurial journey? Sure, sure. Um, you know, So we're on a, a platform for Facebook here. Um, this is a perfect example. I mean, this is a great – it was designed – for groups and to get peers together and to have like-minded people sort of share their experiences and help benefit and and support each other. Um, But I think that there's a lot of angles of it that it sort of becomes a commiseration fest where we're just kind of spewing up all the information that's happened to us and not making any change on that. So I think it's really easy to just unload our issues without any recourse or try to make any sort of change on them. So I think finding a qualified um, listener is every bit as important as um, who's giving you back that advice just being able to have that sounding board that's that's you know a quality person so um there's certainly a lot of ways to do that um you know if you're on facebook just actually talking to somebody who fits well and and you're like-minded and aligned with your goals because everyone's going to have different long-term pictures there are guys that maybe they only need to make fifty thousand dollars a year they all their owner operators they want to run around um themselves and handle everything and that's what they're comfortable with and that's their long-term vision so if that's the case, then find someone in that realm. I think that there's a lot of disconnects. You know, it's a highly fragmented industry. If you're talking about home service or, um, you know, home cleaning or or lawn care, where you have companies that are doing small small amounts and then multi-million dollar companies. So I think you have to find someone in your realm. Um, like I said, Facebook's a good start. That's a low cost, free option. You have platforms like Upwork. You can go on and leverage at um, a freelancer or a business coach who can help guide you in a, in a particular topic. Maybe it's Accounting, knowing your numbers. Um, maybe it's just um, having uh, being a better um, team leader and and having company culture. You know, you've had plenty of, of great um, great guests on who have their little specifics within the business consulting or coaching world. So I think that's really important. Finding a starting point because usually you guys are realizing they need to make changes, but it's really overwhelming to figure out which ones you want to start with. So start with something small and something that's a priority and then find someone around that. So obviously the certified advisors is another great place to start, but you know, it doesn't always have to be something paid. If you can talk to someone who's doing a little bit better than you and tease some of that information out and then see if you can help them on the reciprocal and, you know, start there. And then there's, you know, as you start to progress, there's going to be different professionals for each level of that.
1: Okay, and that, that's great advice. And I want to give a quick shout out to Mr. Ring-A-Ding, Brian Ring. Uh, looks like he's still watching. And one of the things, I, I, I don't know Brian intimately, but one of the things that I, I see that Brian is, is um, preaching a lot of these Facebook groups of industry specific, which I, I want to give him some credit for, where I think credit is due, is um, he may not know everything, and he'll rightfully admit that, but he does know a lot of good things about business management, things like that. Um, but he's gone out and, and tried to help mentor and create a network of his local contractors in the lawn care industry. So instead of uh, not playing nice with these guys in the same sandbox, uh, Brian's actually proactively gone out from my understanding to, to network with these guys and girls um, in the lawn care industry. Um, it, 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 I think from what I've seen, it, it's been pretty instrumental to success and he's paid it forward and it's come back to help him out. So kind of speaking to exactly what you're saying, Sean, you, you may not have to go out and find a professional. but um, there may be a competitor down the street that maybe it's a joint venture thing. Maybe you're doing hardscaping, he's doing maintenance. You can help each other out, but but the business knowledge in your head and what you've been through that process could be helpful um, to each other. Um, one of the things I would highly suggest if, if, you, if you haven't done it yet, is um, kind of j- just a shameless plug for SA5. If you haven't been to an industry-specific conference such as Service Autopilots uh, Conference or GIE, uh one of those things where you get like-minded individuals that may be a a low-cost way to go out and network and find these people um, to learn from them and one of the things that i found most beneficial that quite honestly I, i found uh is a surprise is going across different industries so being in the lawn care sean and i you know historically uh when i reached out and met these other people in the home cleaning industry um they were doing the same thing on the inside that we were doing on the outside but it was just a different approach in um, the way they had tweaked approaches to certain things and we had done a little bit different that we there was this multiplier effect that we literally just um, shared these ideas with each other and it really helped each other out. Um, so I, I, would, I, would, I would just to build upon that, you know, don't be scared at these, these events like SA5 or GIE or maybe Martha Woodward's QDS out in San Diego uh, which is going to be next February that um, myself, Jonathan Potoshnak, Jason Kopp, um a couple other people, Sean maybe you know, depending on uh, your schedule, maybe out there. But um, these these events are really, really instrumental, I think, in building a support network, That whether it's free or paid. Um, now, if you're going out, Sean, in your opinion, if you're going out and you've obviously hired consultants in the past, I can kind of um, fill in on the rest of my thoughts too. What would your opinion be when you're going out to find a paid consultant um, specifically in that little niche or pain point? So obviously you want, if you're having financial problems, you probably want a consultant that is having, you know, consulting and finances or if you're having process and systems, maybe somebody that specializes in that, or if there's an overlap, what were the things you would go out if you were just starting out fresh in business to go out and find a a specific consultant um, in a certain pain point?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that, you know, obviously it's going to depend on your, on your particular scenario and and what those priorities look like and size of your company and, and those things. But even starting something as small as just an accountability partner, um, even if it's just someone that you're friends with, or like you said, a, a subcontractor or, or somebody in your network to be able to talk to. But, you know, when you start going into the, the paid world and some of the management consulting, it's extremely expensive and but it's effective. But you have to know where to start and you have to know your expectations. Um, we start a lot of conversations with people that have issues in, in a lot of different levels of their business. And they expect that, well, I'll just buy this package and then it's set it and forget it. My business will be fixed. So I think going in with certain set expectations about hyper-specific priorities for you and if they're in your hiring processes and that's what you're having problems with, we need to start there and we have to set clear deliverables throughout that. And when you are starting a conversation with a consultant, try to stay focused on that. I mean, we're entrepreneurs, it's shiny object syndrome is something that we all suffer from. We get in and we start talking, I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations we've had where... We're talking about one thing. We get all set up. We start moving on that project. And I talk to the person the next day, like, ah, let's scrap that. We're going to go over here now. And it's like, you know, we have to focus on what that priority is. And there's a lot of long-term goals that are there, but we want to make sure that we're moving. And it's the same thing with the planning process, moving in that right direction. So find a consultant that is going to help you on that beginning level, um, but also going to give you that accountability to, as a starting point. Um, and if you're going to, you know, like I said, it, it's expensive to, to get started in. So if there are, is content or courses or some sort of um, segmented portion that you can buy into and leverage someone else's done for you angle of that, or at least um, something that you can take and consume at your own pace, I think that's really helpful and a great starting point rather than just diving into a high level uh, consulting project. Because if you're not well versed in that, it can, it can be really overwhelming from the start.
1: Yeah, and that's a lot of things that we see, especially even uh, as simple growth. I
0: don't
1: know how I necessarily frame this, but I guess um, people go in with the best intentions, but I guess when you're going to do it, um, you want to make sure you're going to put the work in and and, and finish it to completion. And I think a lot of problems is it's not necessarily that the individuals don't want to finish it, um, but they get stuck in the minutiae, so they want the most perfect copy of everything. Um, And I, I think basically... You know, ha- you know, the first draft is better than no draft. Or Ryan Dice um, from Digital Marcus says, "Half ass is better than no ass." And it, it really, I mean, you right. gotta, you gotta have something. So I think um, as you're going in and working with these consultants, just be aware that maybe it's not going to be the best draft, but you at least need a first draft because we don't know each market's different, each business different. Uh, but we need to see at least from that first draft what's working, and then you can go into with an individual like Sean who works with a lot of businesses and then go in and redefine that again. But I think you at least need the starting point and be able to get to a finish line, a clear defined finish line. And then we can go back and refine the process. So yeah. um, that would be my advice. Um, and that was something that when I went out and spent uh, 15 or $16,000 with a, a pretty well known company out in Phoenix, Arizona, that um, there was separate cubicles because we all spent probably 15 to 20 grand for two days of consulting. And I went in there with the mind frame that I'm going to get, eight or nine of these automation campaigns done and we're gonna make sure they're working right. Where the guy next to me had a checklist of 30 things and he was lucky if he got done with one cause he wanted everyone perfect. Where we walked out and we had a working model that was executable and then we could redefine the process throughout yeah. the following months, which actually was a huge return on our investment. So yeah. um, that kind of be the, my advice to that as well. For sure. Uh, now one of the things Sean that I know if people don't know you is, is you're known for is thinking differently. Um, to kind of challenge the industry, in industry pricing, and kind of being disrupted. And I know they're uncomfortable. Would you Would you want to explain a little bit on? Um, maybe at first just going in the industry standard, what's kind of expected, and then uh, how in your business or businesses you've worked with how to how to break that industry standard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um kind of tying into some points I made earlier by uh, the the noise that that's that um, sort of exists when you're on Facebook and some of these larger groups if you're if you're talking home cleaning or or lawn care um, repeatable services, you know you're gonna see there's just a huge volume of of other contractors and there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of things being said. So if you are trying to be the loudest voice in a crowded room, you're you're just really you're not gonna have a lot of success. It's not a long-term sustainable type of uh, strategy, So, you know, the answer is to try to find some sort of differentiator. What is it about your company? What do you guys do well? Find out what that is that that makes you guys um, operate at that different level and be able to serve your clients and provide the highest value. And I, I think that that's a critical difference in the mindset going in that you need to be able to say, well, oh, we're just a you know, we're a commoditized um, service, just like you going to buy gasoline. It doesn't matter where you're buying it. You're just going to go for the cheapest thing. You have to break that mold. And I think a lot of people get held up in long cuts or $35. It's been like that since 1993. And it's always going to be like that. And there's so many different levels and changes that have happened since then. But for whatever reason, that's the mindset and that's the stigma that's been locked into that. So you need to break that through some sort of, of pattern interrupt, whether that's in the initial phone call with a client a homeowner over the phone. Maybe that's a process on how you price out your work. Um, you know, What I would suggest, I tell people all the time, is, is go to your, your top 10 customers. You know, the, the old lady who has been with you forever, like I said before, those people that, the second someone asks you for a reference, you're the first person, they're the first people you contact. Grab 10 of those people and just call them and thank them for, their, for being with you and being long-term customers, but also ask them pl- point blank and candidly, what is it about us? You know, we're a dime a dozen as a landscaping company or a home cleaning company. What is it specifically about us that you, makes you stay? And then you'll get real feedback on what their reason is. It might be something super broad. Like you always answer the phone when I call. It might be something super specific like when you put in my roses, you walked me through that whole process and told me how that is. So that's a good starting point if you don't know um, what what it really is that makes you different. And then from that point, you know, you can work on that And again, having the accountability portion to kind of bounce back and forth and figure out what's working and um, and what you can build on because then. Once you get that, that sort of, it frameworks everything from your company culture for bringing in new hires through to you scaling up work. You don't want to just get more service requests of things that you don't like to do or are unprofitable in. Know those back-end numbers so that you can focus on, on what makes the most sense and, and think differently like that. I just think that goes back to having the qualified listener on the other end. You have someone who's just just a yes man saying hey yeah you're right you know lawn care is awful it's just it's always going to be that way you're never going to learn from that you're never going to grow you're going to stay stagnant and you're going to be in that little pool forever unless you find someone doing something differently there's million dollar companies out there find out some small portion that you can tease out there's plenty of free content out there to to try to do something like that like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now Want a free guide to secrets of simple growth automation head over to www.startsimplegrowth.com and click get started we'll deliver our guide to your messenger plus enter to win a free estimator chatbot
1: awesome great 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 insight and uh, just kind of add on that too so uh getting away from the industry standard one of the things that i would like to share as a takeaway that's been really instrumental in our business is uh, actually educating the consumer before the sale itself and and being able to segment it to have a personal communication to the specific service they're interested in. Um, and it's somebody uh, think, believe one of the guys here, uh, Steve Ann Scarcella said, why do customers always make the dogs our problem? Well, in my opinion, where I'm tying this in is the dog is, is not your problem. The dog is actually your win. So when you're talking, you're, you're talking about these pain points for the things that expand, the time it takes to close a sale through pre-education, we can address these things, whether it be an automated email, text, or even a a personal phone call through a script. But what we do is we address it. And two of the biggest questions we always get is A, do we need to be home to have the service done? And B, are you going to close the fence gate behind you so the dogs don't run out of the backyard? Well, we proactively train our team to do that. And we automatically go out and talk about this. So we're going to shorten that sales cycle create a higher perceived value to be able to charge at a higher price. So um, Steve, that dog is a golden nugget. So just like Sean said, you should call because maybe one of the reasons why this customer is keeping you is because you systematically close that gate behind you to ensure that those three little puppies are safe and there's no issues. So I, I think listening and being uh, well aware of the things that your customers are communicating to you is, is just a hidden gold mine. And each market's different. Each service is different. But if you can create a running checklist of these and address them up front in an educational way, but no sales pitch, it's just going to shorten that sales cycle, and allow you to charge a higher price. So yeah. you said they're going to be 35 bucks in the local market. Well, most local markets are probably going down to 30 right now, but there's guys and girls out there charging 40 or 45. And the reason why they're able to do that is because they're listening and they're understanding what those concerns are and they're differentiating their services. Yeah. And Whether it's a manual process or an automated process, that's going to go out there and set you
0: apart. Yeah. Just to jump in, one more point. So I was going to say that something like that, when someone, when a client mentions that most people take that as a negative or a, a point of um, one extra task and, and make it very reactive in their response. Like you said, it's a, it's a golden nugget. They're get, that's an opportunity for you to differentiate right there. When someone says, "Okay, well, you know, the you can tell the dog is a major uh, a, a major portion of their family. It's something that the first thing they asked about. Obviously, it's high on their priority list. So, you know, when you're sending holiday cards and things, and you mention the dog or some stupid little thing like that to show that you pay attention and that you're you're um, you're listening to what they say, that's the big thing. Because when they're calling a hundred different people, they just want to have communication. They want to have another person who actually cares. The you know." All the books out there are going to tell you the same thing. It's it's not about you. It's not about what service you provide. It's how you make that customer feel. And you could not even be the best quality lawnmower or whatever that is. But if you put your customers' needs first, and each customer you you had that sort of um, that whole profile on. It's just going to put you in a much higher light and use that as a positive. When these negative things are happening, try to put some sort of positive spin on it on how you could differentiate. And if that's not going to work, then you can tell that you maybe you're not the best fit. And that's could be i I'm sure something we can lead into on on how to uh, sort of pre-qualify what's a good fit for you as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, I know really a big outside of employees, one of the biggest hot topics right now, at least that I've seen in these Facebook groups, um, I say in others is industry pricing. I don't know my costs, I don't know what I should be charging. Um, Nothing drives me more nutty than reading these Facebook posts that I've got a 10,000 square foot lawn, I got X, Y, and Z, go, how much should I charge? Well, before I put my spit on it, I, I, I guess that just drives me nuts. Is that the appropriate way in your opinion, Sean, to actually go out and figure out your pricing or how would you actually approach a a pricing model that's appropriate for your size of business, your market, and what your desired end result is as far as profitability.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to tie into a couple other points that we've made here. And it's, it's a, it's a mindset of being proactive versus reactive. Most people look outward at the industry and they say, again, that $35 is standard. Okay. That's where I need to stay in. That's my little realm. That's my range I need to be in. And you know, our suggestion is always to be proactive. Think about your long-term vision again and say, I know I need to make X amount of dollars a year, work within your numbers or help get someone to help you work within your numbers to reverse engineer what that looks like so that you know where that stands. Of course, service autopilot and simple growth and people like this have the tools and resources to be able to leverage 10 and 20 years of experience on how to price those things properly for you specifically, because it, it does need to be that granular. It needs to be down to those levels. It has nothing to do with the guy down the street and what he wants to charge or what Mrs. Smith thinks that she wants to pay. Those are irrelevant terms. They really do not matter. And you need to be able to say if $45 is your number and you can't get a client to sign on for that, then you need to find a way or a market or a spot that that makes sense. So it is very frustrating. And I'm certainly. Uh, on the same on the same wavelength of, of people thinking that because there's far more homeowners than there are service providers, therefore there's always going to be a market for your service. You just have to find out what's going to work for you, and you need to go in with that mindset of of structuring that so that it's you know it's going to be useful for the client, of course, but that you know what your ideal client's going to look like, and um, you know what price point allows you to serve them at that higher level.
1: Yeah, and you hit it. What that customer looks like, and basically what what they call that in the marketing world is a customer avatar. So where are they hanging out? What do they do? What do they like? Um, And maybe there's certain neighborhoods that are generating um, your ideal clients. So maybe it's a certain threshold of income, certain size home value. Those are the things we look at as we're going out and trying to develop a new service area. Does that fit that particular customer profile of what in the past has been the most profitable? Uh, and just to put it in perspective, too, because I think that there is a major disconnect, at least uh, from what I've seen, of th- this whole pricing thing. And I want to I want to kind of dive into that and just kind of go back the layers a little bit. And I'm curious your thoughts on this, Sean, as well. But, um, I mean, and I I may, I may well, I guess I'm going to – I'll use Jonathan Petoschnak's uh, lawn care business as an example city term. So if you're unaware, Jonathan's a co-founder of Service Autopilot runs uh, probably about a $10 million plus uh, residential only lawn care company. Thing is an absolute beast. I've had the pleasure to actually see it in person. Um, it, it, it is very impressive. But uh, if we had Jonathan in here as a third person and we asked Jonathan what his cost to operate that business was, um, and Sean and I pulled out our our, our our documents and looked at it, uh, I've got a pretty good feeling that they would be com- drastically different. Uh, Jonathan and a lot of the Southern companies run a F-150 or, uh, or maybe a, um, a Ford Ranger with a dovetail with all of the mowers sitting in the back of this truck. There's no truck and trailer. It's built for efficiency. Um, but a lot of these Southern companies have the density in these homes are set up where they can use commercial push mowers. So they're running two to $3,000 a pop, weed whackers, and they buy these used trucks complete with a the dovetail. They're putting these trucks on the road for ten to $12,000 a piece. I don't know particularly Jonathan's company, but most of the companies we're working with in the South Southwest area. Uh, where now, if you go up to the north, where Sean and I are, I'm a little bit farther north. Uh, we're because of the seasonality, we have to run four-wheel drive truck because we remove snow throughout the winter. So you're looking at probably a $25,000 to $35,000 truck, uh, anywhere from a two to three thousand dollar trailer, open maybe five to eight thousand enclosed, and we're usually running 60 or 52 inch zero turn mowers. So all said and done, the cost for me to put a truck or Sean to put on a truck it's probably 50 to $60,000 versus Jonathan or somebody in the Southwest is maybe eight to $10,000. So obviously if you're looking at that, he's able to put six to eight trucks on the road for the same cost that I'm able to put a truck on the road. So obviously my overhead recovery per hour on that truck is going to be significantly higher than it is uh, for Jonathan or somebody out in the Southwest. Well, that being said, even your competitor down the street may be going out and buying used vehicles that are two wheel drive just for the summer and only doing summer work where maybe in my company I'm still spreading the cost of that truck of thirty dollars or $40,000 truck, uh, but part of that higher overhead is being recovered the eight months of the summer. So I think it's really unrealistic. It's extremely dangerous to compare yourself to your local competition, but especially the national competition. So as you're going out and finding these peer groups or mentors, or you're going out to these conferences, uh, the biggest mistake I made was comparing myself and my numbers to their numbers because it wasn't an apples-to-apples apples comparison um, and, and, and there was significant parts of the business that, that our company in the Northeast made significantly more money percentage-wise than they did and vice versa. So, um, as you're looking at that, keep an idea of what your internal costs are and what's particular to your market and your business, but go out and keep an open mind to take a look at what these guys and girls are doing in their businesses. And Garrett Matthews was a great example. Um, i forget the specific instance but when he came to my business he saved me about twenty thousand dollars literally because he said why are you doing that i'm like well that's how we do it in new york he goes well everybody else in the world does it this way and i was like holy cow like why didn't we think of that um same thing with the way garrett removed just debris in his shop we, we within the first five minutes chad and i were there questioned how he was handling it it was about a 19 to twenty thousand dollars savings in five minutes so not only you're building these groups, but if you could afford it and buy out the time, I highly, highly recommend go out, get outside of your market, find somebody in the complete opposite end of the country and, and go check out their shop and, and and have that friendship, but let your guard down and let them dissect your business piece by piece. Um, and, and that's going to break up the industry standards in your local market because the way people are doing it across the country is just significantly different. I hadn't seen it till about two or three years ago with Simple Growth, but it is, and I'm sure you've seen the same thing, Sean. It's- it's been an eye-opening experience for myself um, as a lawn care operator. Or so maybe not as different in home cleaning, but even candidly, uh, being at Martha's QDS and a couple of the other cleaning conferences, uh, the similarities are there, but the way they approach it is significantly different. Um, so it's very interesting. We you know, we had Debbie Sardone on um, with Cleanest Business Foundations and Speed Cleaning, and her approach to Cleaning and the process and systems is a lot different than what we find in a lot of other companies, and she's had some pretty good success with that as well. Um, so I, I know you obviously have a very compressed schedule, Sean. And I want to be respectful of your time. Um, but as we're as we're getting into this, I know you've been a big advocate of outsourcing, virtual assistants, things like that. Um, and it's been a really hot topic the last few weeks in this this ecosystem. Um, do you have any suggestions if you're going out to go find a VA, what to look for, what things not You shouldn't be, you know, diving into what's the best practice around. I know you've had a lot of uh, interaction with different VAs with your clients. So I I just wanted to tap into that knowledge source because I know right now the biggest things that we're hearing is pricing, employees, employees, employees. And how do we outsource that office to a VA? So um, what's your suggestions around the VA and what kind of experience have you had lately uh, with a lot of your clients? And maybe I'm not sure if you did in your own company before you sold it. But, uh, you know, what's your take on all that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was always a big uh, proponent of outsourcing, or at least I was once I sort of had those uh, light bulb moments and, um, you know, Upwork, things like that, where people were, I was able to use freelancers to handle certain portions that they were specialist in that. That certainly was a, was a big element. Um, but yeah, going back to, um, to, to what we've touched on earlier, once we figure out what some of those priorities are for these owners. So let's say, for example, it's an employee issue and you really need to, to set up some sort of um, consistent process for screening and recruiting and bringing people on the the owner's still going to need some time to work up training modules and and, um videos like what stuff you guys do with simple growth on trying to show exactly how they expect their production and their work to be done so there's significant time tied up in a lot of those things and of course the owners are the immediate argument is i don't have the time to do so so my first usually step in helping people is to try to place them with some sort of virtual assistant or some sort of um, service to outsource some portions of the minutia and some of those office tasks. Usually the phone calls, the emails, the texts, excuse me, those are the things that are, are usually weighing people down to start with. So you had uh, Michelle with pink collars on. Um, we refer a lot of people to them. That's sort of the, uh, the first step in the process because once we can outsource some of that stuff that's really bogs down you know, your mental bandwidth of trying to take in and process all that inbound content, and, and deal with the customer demands, usually that frees the business owner up with a little more clarity. It's not overnight, but it can take a few weeks or a few months to get used to that. And also understanding that there are other people that can help you and probably are better at talking to customers than you are. You know, Those sort of mindsets are really important to have. Um, so once you're doing that and you're going through, realize that you can get to some of those long-term priorities or long-term projects when your time is is able to do so. So that's the, the one of the biggest things we're able to, to see make the, the the biggest difference because, um, you know, when we're talking and distilling down all the different tasks in your business, and if we were to associate dollars per hour for the tasks that you're doing, you know, if you're answering that phone and you're answering a text message or calling someone back and, and uh, trying to negotiate some sort of Simple question that could be answered on service autopilot, it's probably a $12 or $15 an hour task or less than that. So, if you're spending your time at that, you're telling yourself, you know, subconsciously that that's what you think your time is worth by doing that. There are better ways to be able to be using that, where you could be out in the field, maybe selling a large installation job for um, one or $200 per hour for your time spent. So, just that sort of mindset alone, trying to distill down all the different things that happen to you in a day. And associate some sort of hourly cost to that so you can say okay this I can definitely outsource at X amount of dollars this is gonna make sense to try to help me and it can free me up to, to be looking in a, in a better light focusing on those uh, those higher dollar per hour tasks.
1: Great insight John. and, it, and I don't know if it would be appropriate but I might even just throw it up on the screen here because kind of what you're talking about is being able to track those things while you're out growing and working on the business maybe you don't have time to get it stuck in uh, the day-to-day tracking of a budget versus actual or things like that we need to be tracked to make sure that we're hitting those daily goals to go into the weekly goals to hit the month and the year-end goals so a lot of times um even myself when i first started out like i, I would look at my numbers at the end of the year and like wow it was a great year oh my god what happened i wish i had looked at that um i'm gonna actually try to throw this up here and it's something that um that I- i've been working on a little beta here and i guess you can kind of see it on the screen here um and basically, what we've got here is, is basically it's, it's, a, it's a Google Doc that I made where we, try, we use this in our company. And, uh, and if I'm hearing right, maybe a VA could potentially fill this out for you if they're running service autopilot for you, which was kind of intriguing for me. Uh, but we've got here in the first row is just basically the budgeted time. So if we're budgeted for 10 hours in the example. We plug that in. Uh, we put our start and stop times here, our hours worked, our lunch, the crew members, and how many guys and girls are on the crew. And as I kind of scroll over here and see if I can get this to work. The, without the delay um we, we basically have the number of people who cruise the total sales and then we've got a projected expense projected profit and the bottom we've sum total it for each crew we go across to each seven or eight crews plus our subs but now we have a, a basically a quick snapshot of our productivity and in and, and profit and as we scrolled over here we've got um in this area up to the left total budget hours for all the crews so a lot of times what we find is um the owner operator sometimes is either in the field or they're too busy doing anything else and not tracking these things, but you may have five or six crews that are crushing it and one or two crews that are just driving down that profit. But if we look at it as a holistic thing, I mean, don't get into the granularity that that seems to be an issue. So, um, I like your approach of maybe using a VA to track these things if they have the ability to go in a product like Service Autopilot. So I didn't want to take away from it, but I kind of wanted to elaborate on it. I think that that would be a really good source of um, or use of resources if you could get a VA to, to tackle these and then just send you a weekly KPI report, your key performance indicators. And that was one of the things that Jonathan and Jason Cup talked about in SA3 and SA4. What were some of the key Uh, metrics that that you should be looking at as business owner every week and every quarter, every month. Well, in my opinion, this would be one of the great tools that you could use if you built something out like this, just to track it. And then at the top here, I don't know if you can see it, but basically we've got a projected break even point and then we've got total expenses for the year and total profit and total hours. So now if we know we're supposed to be at 35 bucks an hour break even, what it costs to operate. And at the end of the day or the end of the month, we're at 45 Well, we're $10 higher an hour than we should be. You can you can see these things in a real high level, but dialed into each crew and go back and fix it. And if you're working with a gentleman like Sean, then he can go in and dial in to find out where those pain points are. So I didn't want to hijack the show here, but I thought that may be a good point just to kind of drop something like that in there. Yeah. Um where potentially use of a VA, even if you don't have the time or even the skill set to do it, could plug these numbers in and get you those reports. And even if you're not using a Google Doc, you don't want to get into that point. Um, a lot of the VAs that we've talked to. Uh, One of the ones recently on the SA talk show was pink collars is they can run into QuickBooks or your, your software and send you at least the high level overview so you know that you're on point. And especially if you're on the crew working day in and day out, which is nothing wrong with that. But I think at some point you still need to take the extra five minutes to get a quick overview of what's going on in the business.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a perfect example. And that's a resource that you have in place again that's taken, you could as a business owner try and reinvent that yourself or build that out, spend the time, the weekends and the nights to try to figure that. But if you could leverage someone else's experience like yourself and put in a tool like that and then take the data entry or any of that syncing, even though it's minimal and outsource that portion so that the only thing that you're responsible for is more of a higher level CEO mindset where you're coming in and you're seeing a report About the activity that's happening because then you can actually make change and and going back to to making um, spending your time doing higher dollar per hour tasks if you're making iterations and changes and revisions to your system to make it more profitable and you know exactly what those expectations are or you know where those pain points are because you're reporting and tracking that you have the ability to, to go in and access it when your time is not bogged down by driving in circles and running all over the place and, and all those different things. So again, setting those priorities, using resources already like that and then outsourcing any of the stuff that's taking away from you focusing on getting to those, those higher level goals. Uh, it's it's a perfect tie-in.
1: Yeah. We've got uh, we've got a live question here from uh, Steve Andrews. How would you vet or shop uh, to find the right consultant for your business? Uh, find the right fit uh, for the consultant in your company. Uh, so I guess, I guess he's trying to, t- What's the best way to shop um, a consultant or, or a VA? And, and maybe I don't know if, if there's anything such as like a free trial or maybe uh, a free 45 minute consult with a, with a consultant. Um, is that a good sign if somebody offers a free taste of what they're doing just to get you in? Or is that devaluating the service? They may not be that good if they do that. What, what's your take? What are you looking for if you're going out to vet um, an industry consultant?
0: Sure. So if we're taking something like lawn care and, and home services, uh, due to the, the sheer volume, and as we talked about, just just the, the varying sizes of the companies, um, I personally do, do a 15-minute free call initially, and it's purely for pre-qualifying purposes. I want to make sure that they are a good fit. They're my customer avatar that I'm looking for, and that I'm on the reverse side. And I have turned plenty of people away who were not a fit or that I didn't feel I could help. Um, I'm not an expert in everything. So when we go and talk to somebody and they say, hey, I'm looking to have this done, um, I consider myself a sort of a resource expert. So I put them in the right direction with the people that are. I think that there's no sense of trying to be all things to all people. And you would want the consultant to be on that same logic. If they if they're telling you they could fix your financing, your employees, your software, or, you know, change your oil and five other things, I would be, I would be hesitant. You know you want to find a specialist and, and again finding what your priority are what what are you looking for what's your expectations long-term if it's to um, to try to get things systemized you know there's there's lower cost options options through content and through um, like I said uh, you can do like hourly calls we do a lot of um, uh, j- just those accountability calls where we can keep you on track without it getting extremely expensive and, and point you in the right direction so that when things come up that you really need that are pain points and that are necessary for you to um, find an expert in, we have that network. So a good consultant is gonna have a a, a wide um, array of of services and people in that. So I would highly suggest somebody who's um, able to point you in in multiple directions and and not just trying to do everything themselves. Um, And and also that obviously is gonna be in your price point, that's gonna be the other thing. Um, You know, understand that right away. And a few minutes of someone's time, virtually over the phone or, or through a Skype call, can usually knock out if you guys are a good fit for each other so I would suggest going on a few of those and and just feeling it out and um, the if it's a, a quality person who's actually been and has industry experience they'll be able to provide you some value over the phone uh, quickly and, and figure out if you guys are a fit
1: awesome so if anybody else is uh, watching live you have any questions we'll answer real quick before we hop off If you're watching this recorded feel free to drop them. we're gonna watch this feed um, as we're talking here Sean I'm a little awkward I am multiple monitors here I am missing my co-host Cody Owen uh, so I'm managing the two, mach- two, the technology and the questions. Um, it looks like there is no other major questions here to be answered. Uh, so I guess as we close out, I always like to uh, kind of put the person who we're interviewing on the spot, um, people in the SA community as well as people watching this, love to go in and out their competition. Any books right now of interest or in the past uh, that you've read that you think are essential for growing and out your
0: competition? Oh, gosh. Um, right I now, I put you on the spot. <laughs> this week, I'm, I'm, reading, um, I'm reading Brian Tracy. It's an old book, but uh, uh, the psychology of selling. That's something I'm reading right now. Um, audio version. I do a lot of uh, audio audible books. Um, really great. I think it, it, there's some tie ins for understanding your customer and um, getting out of the mindset of, of thinking everything has to do with you. you know, thinking about their best interest and, and putting that forward, even though it is sales focused. Um, I think that that's a, a good way to approach um, your vendors and, and your people. I mean, there's such so much to be said about a, aligning um, your, your people's goals with, uh, with, um, with you, where your company is going. So I think that's all in the psychology of that. I think that's fascinating. And like I said, even though it's sales focused, I think there's a lot to gather by trying to understand people better. And that's only going to allow you to have those interactions and, and do high level deals and be a better service provider you know, for your clients.
1: Awesome. Uh, as we're closing out here, I want to make sure that um, you know, people know how to reach out to you if they're interested in talking to you, Sean. Um, before we hop in and just closing out, get your contact information. So if you're looking to hook up with Sean, grab a pen and paper here. Um, but Sean, are you going to be at? Uh, S- are you planning on tentatively being at SA5 here in uh, Dallas, Texas, coming up?
0: Yeah, I'll be there.
1: All right, beautiful. So Sean will be there. If you need to talk to him as well, we're going to get his, his contact information as well. If you want to reach out to him as well, um, so. I, I definitely owe you a, a soda or a cocktail, but I, I, what, from what I heard, is you're one hell of a whiskey connoisseur. Uh, it, 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 rumor has it you have one hell of a collection up on the wall over there. Is that uh, is, is that is that the
0: truth? That's fairly accurate. I'll give you a, a sneak peek. We're uh, I got a, a fairly good collection we're, we're gathering over here, but um, but yeah, l- would love to allow you to buy me a drink. That'd be great.
1: <laughs> First one is on me, and then uh, we're gonna put it on Garrett Matthews tab when we when it's all said and done. So I will pay it forward that way for sure. Um, no, so no. Sean, if people haven't you know haven't heard of you why get a hold of you how do they get a hold of you
0: yeah best way would be to go to my website it's uh consult integra com we'll put a link in this um, on the on this below this video um, and there's ways to just book a, a free call with me you can just spend 10 15 minutes we'll just go over your scenario and, uh, and see if we're the right fit and like I said I'll point you in the direction if I am not Um, otherwise right from there you can send me an email and we can try to set up something as well so I'd be happy to help either way.
1: So uh, the website was consult.integra.com?
0: Consult dash hyphen. Is
1: that correct? Yes. All right. Running rumor over at uh, Service Autopilot right now is I'm in some serious need of uh, typing lessons, which we all can confirm now that my typing skills have been exposed to the world. Uh, so self-taught automation is definitely not uh, the keyboard whiz, but if you're looking for some uh, industry expertise for the things we've talked about, check out Sean consult integra.com um, until a couple months, buddy, I will see you at SA 5 First drinks on me and uh, Mike from New York, Sean, good seeing you. And uh, hopefully next week we'll have Cody Owens back on, um, keep an eye on the Facebook feed. We've got hopefully next week, Mark J. Kohler, uh, CPA and lawyer uh, combination. The gentleman makes tex- taxes and estate planning look sexy, which is impossible in my mind. But this guy has blown me away in several events. Uh, so we're going to try to get him on as well as several of the other uh, SA certified advisors that have not been on. So uh, we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Wednesday or Thursday, 3 Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. And drop those comments below. Sean, thanks again, buddy. Sounds great. Thanks,
0: guys. Take care. If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an Estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.